Welcome to Calvary Church, where we are dedicated to loving God and loving people. If you want to know more about us, please check us out online at calvary.ca. Now let's check out this week's message. Hello and welcome to the final week on the book of James. My name is Vince. I'm one of the pastors here uh, and excited to share with you today with uh, the the big finale, chapter 5 in the book of James. Uh, To kind of get things rolling, I hope you've enjoyed all of the other weeks. Uh, Where are my Jameses at? If you're a James out there, uh, make sure you, you drop a James in the chat. We would love to uh, acknowledge you. I am a James. My first name is James. Not many know that, but that's, that is how it is. And something special for you online folks today. Um, hey Siri, call mom. All right. And uh, secondly, um, okay Google, turn on flashlight. And so you let me know in the chat if that actually did anything. I've always been curious. And so this was my opportunity to find out. The book of James. James is a little bit harsh uh, and just a straight shooter when dealing with things. And, and so uh, some things that are going to get presented today, I guarantee you it's not for everybody. There, there's going to be some of you today where it's like, well, that's just 30 minutes. I'm not going to get back. And, and, and that's okay. There's going to be some of you at varying points you're going to grab onto what I'm saying and like, the light will go on. I get it. I get what James is trying to communicate here. And then there's going to be uh, others that, that just, you're not there uh, kind of experiencing that right now. And, and that's okay too. I'm believing for something great for you to get out of this as well. So let's go. James 5. Like many of you, uh, pretty simple life. I'm not an extravagant person. I own a modest home here in sunny Surrey. I uh, drive a Honda Civic. It's uh, just pretty, you know, pretty basic life. I, I, my clothes come from Costco and thrift stores, and that's just, that, that's true. I, I shop at the ICR and, and thrift stores and other things from Costco, and it's just real m- modest. Um, Maybe you've been experiencing the same thing where you live like a modest life and you've been feeling as of late uh, that you're just getting squeezed. This, this unknown squeeze is on you and you're trying to like put your finger on what is happening out in the world. Uh, part of this squeeze affects, you know, just every area. It really hits your financial life. And I don't want to party like it's 1999. I want to buy groceries like it's 1999. Uh, I was thinking the other day about when I started driving, and I'm starting to sound like an old man. With uh, when I back when I was driving, gas was 56 cents a liter, and sometimes we see it dip over two dollars. And it's just just things change, and it's a little a little bit crazy right now. Um, you know, people ask me to be concerned about things of the world with like, you know, what about the rainforests? And I'm like, what about the rainforest cafe? Why can't I, why don't we eat out as much anymore? What, like what's going on in this, in this, in, in the world that just seems to be squeezing you? And there's many thoughts on, on what's happening on the financial sides of things. Um, but part of this squeeze, um, it, it comes back to, uh, we see some of the rich getting ultra rich and this disparity between the ultra-wealthy and the poor. 
And so one of the things that James was addressing in chapter 5 of his book was the oppression of the rich. Now, I'm a fan of, like, you work hard, and it's okay to have money. Like, go ahead, be rich. Uh, that's not a thing. If you, uh, you, you know, if she takes out a, a business loan and she gets her inventory together and she hires her employees, I think she should get rich. That, that's fine. I want her to do well in business. James starts in, in James 5 and 4, with something that isn't okay in business. The wages you failed to pay the worker who mowed your field are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord. Now, the underlying uh, theme of this portion of James, and he, he kind of peppers things throughout the entire uh, book, but in this, uh, in this verse of, in James 5, he's specifically talking about what you agreed to. If you agreed as an employer to a, a wage on something and you agreed to a certain set of circumstances and you agreed to this time off and you agreed that the business week was going to be this long and, and you take somebody on as your employee, whatever you said, you do. And whatever they said, they do. This, this mutual contract of things, um, so James is addressing your character, what's going on on the inside with integrity, honesty. So it's not about begrudging the rich. It's about oppression of the rich and not doing what they said that they would do. Now, uh, things are changing out there. Uh, you know, as things get expensive, my, my friends with electric vehicles are like, oh, just get an electric vehicle. It's like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. You know, let me... Like, everything's uh, electric. We have electric charging in the church parking lot, and many of you have a electric vehicles. The guitars in the church have all gone electric. Back in my day, the church guitars were gas-powered the way that the Lord intended them to be. This move where everything is becoming like electrified and cheaper, people are, are scrimping on how to save a penny. And the question that James is presenting to you is do you think the Lord notices the little guy? Do you think the Lord pays attention to the little guy? And so it's not just about you who are business owners, but just in your general life conduct, are you paying attention to the little guy? Because the little guy is also being heard by the Lord. It's saying the cries of the harvesters, of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord. If we agree to something, then I need to follow through with that, just as a point of integrity and honesty. He goes on a bit further in saying it in James 5 and 12. He says, Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. This is a callback to Matthew 5 and 37 with Jesus is uh, with the Sermon on the Mount Jesus is, is saying all you need to simply say is yes or no anything past that comes from the evil one it's an issue of integrity honesty and James is pointing in on 
it's this, this aspect of, of, of oppression by the rich, not because they're rich, but because they're being dishonest. Why are you hoarding up wealth? And this guy who you agreed to pay isn't getting his fair shake. It's wrong. So it's a call to integrity. It's a, a call to honesty in all of our business practices. What we agree to or what we say to, that's the thing we do. James is just shooting it straight. And, uh, you know, it's pretty easy to get behind when you're particularly on the receiving end as an employee. Now, 70% of you are going to hate this next part, and that's okay. There is a man on YouTube, Jocko Willink. Now, Jocko is a Navy SEAL. Navy, he's uh, led, I believe, Navy SEALs teams one, two, three. He is as Navy SEALs as you imagine in your mind, just pumping with testosterone and really close brush cut hair. Um, and you know th that if, if there's a, a man's man kind of gruff and, and tumble and gone through hardship, that person who you're thinking of, that's Jocko. And Jocko has his uh, he has a little podcast thing and uh, attempts to like you know draw back into motivation some of the things that we go through in life. And as a Navy SEAL, as a commander, the things that he experienced. And he put out this little video called Good. And uh, you know um, when I spoke last uh, a couple months ago, I had this uh, you know part in talking about well that's not good. Well this this time through it's good. Good. And Jocko talks in, on his video where he says things like, we didn't get that mission that we were, that we were wanting. Good. Says he's, as he's commanding his, his uh, squad, um, we didn't get that, that high-tech thing that we needed. Good. It's an opportunity for us to improvise. You didn't get that promotion that you wanted. Good. Now you've got an opportunity to improve yourself for the next time through. You didn't pass that driver's test. Good. You probably weren't ready and you're going to need to practice a little bit more. And Jocko, Jocko is proposing this thing called extreme ownership. Just owning what's happening around you this is your life. This is real. This is what's happening. And to not slough things off as it's someone else's fault. This situation someone else's fault. There's nothing I can do. My hands are tied. Uh, there's, no, there, there's no way that I can influence this outcome. So what Jocko is coming at is just own what is happening in the moment and pushing through. Pushing through through. James 5 and 11. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have said and, and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. As you know, we count as blessed those who have per persevered. Those who have pushed through, those who fought on, those who didn't quit when things got rough, those who have persevered, good. Good. In so many situations in life, 
it becomes very quick and easy to label things. That's good. That's not good. That's bad. This is good. And you're confronted in life sometimes with how do you persevere? How do you push through when you're like, oh, my hands are tied. What what am I going to do about this? Perseverance is a mindset, is a discipline, is a spiritual exercise from moving from trial to perseverance to building your character to hope. It gets laid out that way in Romans 5, 3 uh, to 5. Not only so, but we, we also glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and character produces hope, and that hope will never fail you. But you have to go through some suffering. There's a story of a, a farmer and his son and their horse. And they're, they're poor. The farmer, the son, and, and the horse. And the horse escapes. The horse escapes and they're like, oh, this is so bad. Like, we're in trouble. We needed that horse. A couple days later, the ho- so they go, like, that's bad. A couple days later, the horse comes back and it had met some other wild horses. And so now they have multiple horses in their stable, like, oh, this is good. We have multiple horses now. And the farmer's son, and in an attempt to break the horse to make it uh, useful for the farm work, gets up onto the horse. The horse kicks him off, hits the ground, breaks his leg. Oh, that's bad. That's bad. We need you to have a healthy body, and you having a broken leg is bad. But not soon after, and, uh, the army comes through looking to conscript young men. And as they're going through to conscript young men, he's got a broken leg and is useless to them. So he gets overlooked for that part of military service. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's bad. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's bad. The challenge of our human condition is that I'm not set off the timeline like the Lord. I'm in the middle of it as it's happening all the time. And so identifying something as good or bad is, is such tricky business. Was the horse running away good or bad? How about this story? Maybe you've heard it. This guy was having dinner with his 12 friends at a table. Well, dinner with your friends, that's good. One of his friends betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. Well, that's bad. They go to the garden to pray. Praying's good. Well, that, that's good. The Romans and religious leaders dragged him away. Well, that's bad. But he had the ability to command armies of angels to come to his aid. Well, that's good. He doesn't do that. Instead, is nailed to a cross and dies. Well, that's bad. Well, three days later, he rises again. He conquers death, gives freedom from sin to the world, to those who would receive him, and that's good. We actually call that day Good Friday, the day where Jesus died, Good Friday. And it's one of those perplexing things in Christendom, that's good. 
Jesus died, good. You know why it's good? You were freed because of what happened at that table because that one guy took 30 pieces of silver to betray Jesus. Was it bad? Gets hard to say what was bad, what was good. Because this series of events leads to a day where our Lord and Savior dies, which is good. How do you go and call an event, that's good, that's bad, without knowing what's coming up behind it? Things didn't quite work out for you. It's good, based on your disposition. I was at uh, Starbucks this week, uh, working on something and sitting in the corner, and, and my friend uh, Amanda comes in. She's got a, an air cast on her, her foot, and she had fallen that morning and broken her foot. And it's like, I'm like, what happened? Are you okay? Like, I'm just like, that's bad. First thing's out of her mouth was, I get to spend the day with my son. And she has a smile on her face, and I know she's in pain because she broke her foot. You see, your disposition and how you view things will determine how high your attitude and altitude will rise when you go through suffering. Count it, uh, you're counted as blessed those who have persevered. I was at Vancouver General this week visiting a family in the church whose son was in a car wreck. And, and he was uh, uh, in this, uh, the, the car is like a, an absolute, the car is wrapped around a tree, uh, a mess. Three young guys in the car and, and the, the congregant's son w- was in the car and he's banged up and broken clavicle and collapsed, a punctured lung and um, it, it re- requires a few surgeries to kind of get himself through. I walked in to his hospital room and his mom was there and she's like, he's alive. It's good. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm feeling it because I'm like in this moment when it's like everything in you goes, oh, this isn't good. And her positive Jesus attitude shone through. He's alive. The rest of it we can sort out. He's alive. This is good. I know many of you face things, and this is why only a, a few percent of people will be able to grab onto today. Because there's something that you're facing in your life, and you go, That's, it's not good. My encouragement to you, let that mind be in you that is in Christ Jesus. Viewing things from this eternal, this long point of view, we don't have the knowledge of what's next. When I was talking with her later, she could see how this could be something that's used to, to save more kids' lives. Where there's a day where he's sharing with other young people about how he was spared that day. The miracles of him being pulled out of the car. And as soon as him and his friends got pulled out of the car, the car burst into flames. Certain death. Miracle. She is convinced with that mother love that that testimony 
is going to change lives. She's looking down the road. She's looking at her son. She is thankful. She's a, uh, a joyous woman and a woman who's filled with faith. And I, I, I was more in, left more encouraged than I'm, I probably dished out. And this is the perspective. You see, the Jesus life is not always an easy one. What is blessed to you? What is blessed? Was the Apostle Paul blessed? Because that guy was shipwrecked, he was beaten, and he was thrown in prison. Was the Son of God himself, was Jesus blessed? Miracles, the, the blind seeing, walking on water, was he blessed? Well, they killed him. We read in the Old Testament, someone like Isaiah, and uh, all, all the feats and the prophecy and all the, the things that he'd accomplished. Was, was he blessed? Well, he was bagged, put into a hollowed-out log, and sawed in half. Does blessed mean easy? Does blessed mean no more suffering? My encouragement is grabbing that disposition, the eyesight, of the Lord. There's a, a small callback here uh, from James 4, uh, 13 to 16, which is the tail end leading into 15. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into this city, spend a year here, carry on business, make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. We have no idea what is around the corner. And so when I'm going through a point of suffering, when I'm going through a challenge, I have no idea what's around the corner and how God is going to use that. As a Christian, you are trapped in... You're trapped in this little conundrum. You're trapped in this little conundrum. Romans 8, 28, saying these. And we know that in all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I don't know what tomorrow brings, and you have no idea either. But either it's true, or it's not. And James is really... Uh, stern, and he's coming at you with, with, with intensity, and there's, a, there, there's just such a firmness in his voice. Do you know what's coming next in the story? Because until the story is done, I don't know if what was good or what was bad, but either God will work it together for good, because I love him and, and I'm called according to his purposes, either that's true or it's not. If I believe God's word to be true, I am boxed into this corner where even though something causes me suffering and something is hard, it is the gateway to hope. Trial, perseverance, character, hope. Earlier on in James, he says it this way, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, 
Let perseverance, let pushing it through, let grit finish its work so that you may be mature. And finally this. James concludes with a fabulous word for you. In James 5, 14 and 15. Is any among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Now, we have uh, a variety of uh, prayer meetings and prayer initiatives and things go on at the church in, intended to draw you closer to God. Often in these things, we'll see it's uh, various people of prayer in the church. Um, sometimes they are long-standing elder-type people. Sometimes they're a person just uh, passionate to be praying and have gifts of healing. And they pray for people up on the sides of the church. People will ask, well, you know, like, a, do you need one of the pastors to pray for you? I'm, no, you definitely do not. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead quickens your body as well. That Holy Spirit resident in you is the same Holy Spirit resident in, in me. Uh, do I have magic hands? Uh, no. But there is this one time where I turned a back rub into four children and a mortgage. So arguably, you could say my hands are magical. But I'm not a magician. <laughs> There's nothing special in me that's not in you. Either Jesus is at work in you, that power of the Holy Spirit working in you, or he's not. And as soon as you've received Jesus, that spirit dwells in you and is working in you. That you have that prayer authority too. When you're at home with your family, if you're at home by yourself, doing whatever you're doing, you have that same authority because Jesus dwells in you. What is faith like? People will wonder, what is faith like? I could tell you what the Bible has to say, and then this other thing kind of uh, might be a little more real. I'm driving down the road, and I see a piece of furniture. And my friend will si beside me and say, can you believe it? Can you believe that, that, is, that someone left that out on the street? Like they found a treasure? And I'll say, yeah, I can't believe it. That's a piece of crap. That's just terrible. Like, yeah, it's, it's easy to believe that they took it out of their home and, and left it on the side of the street. They're like, we should get that. We should pick that up. You've heard of, like, furniture flippers, and we can dress it up nice, and we can do this, da-da-da-da-da-da, and it's worth this much money. I'm like, I'll, I'll help you move it, but whatever, man. That's faith. The evidence of what's not seen. Because what I see, this isn't going to work. 
what my eyes and my senses are telling me are a big no. Faith is the substance of things not seen. And that prayer of faith doesn't require any, any special abilities to me. It doesn't require a certain amount of education. It's a willingness. It's a belief. It's a substance of what you can't see that that person is going to be healed. James 5.16, he concludes, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The Passion Translation says it this way, For tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. The tremendous, that tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Friends, while you're at home today, I'm going to ask you to do something bizarre. I'm going to ask you to shut your eyes and pray for someone else. If you've got Jesus working on the inside, I want you to think of that friend who's going through a challenging time right now. And you're going to, whatever that situation might be, please just pause for a moment and ask, Lord Jesus, bring wholeness to that person. Lord Jesus, bring healing to that person. Lord Jesus, bring restoration to that person. And all the other prayers that you need to include in that. And after you've done that, drop them a text. Send them a text that just says, to that person. It's like, hey, I was thinking about you and praying for you today. And, just, and let's see where it lands. The effectual, powerful, fervent prayer of the righteous accomplishes much. And my friends, that's you. I hope you've been able to pull something out of the book of James, whether it's dealing with people with integrity and honesty or having patience through suffering and calling things good that we're still challenged to believe that good can come out of. Or whether it's believing that your prayers are effective. Let's give it a spin. The Lord loves you. There is purpose behind you. And I'm so glad you took time to join us today. Be blessed. Amen.